Friends, and welcome aboard the Diecast Enterprise. This is Bags. I'm Foley. And tonight, we're going to be talking about Angel One. I don't know. Let's look that up. What's your computer say? It's the 14th episode. Nice. Did you like my computer sense? Yeah, that was pretty great. I have this new thing on my tablet that turns it into LSARS, which makes it look like a next-gen computer. It's the best thing I've ever had. I, That's not true. It's pretty sweet. It's a very fine thing that I've had. I always thought it was LCARS. Is it LSARS? I think it's LSARS. No idea. It might be LCARS. You said it so authoritatively, I thought you knew. I, I thought I did know, but now I'm questioning myself. I'm throwing shade on your... I've only ever there. heard it called LSARS, All right. but... That doesn't mean I'm right. The internet might know. The internet will probably know, but let's not look it up right now because we're we're busy. Yeah. We're podcasting. We got a show to review. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tonight's episode is... All about sexism. Really good. It's one of those things with Star Trek. One of the strengths of Star Trek, and possibly one of its weaknesses as well, is that it tries to tackle important social issues. The original show, that was their big calling card. We're tackling social issues of the day, but we're dressing them up in the trappings of sci-fi to make it more palatable to a larger audience and maybe educate some people that don't even know they're getting educated. You might learn something along the way while having a lot of fun. Yes, sir. It's like an after-school special in space. Exactly. The problem, of course, is that Trek isn't exactly subtle. No. You're making an allegory about it, but then you're doing it in such a way that... It's impossible to miss, and you're, like, shoving people's faces in it. Like, this is sexism! Look at it! Love it. Enjoy it. This episode is kind of painful to watch because of that. So it's really hard not to compare this one to Code of Honor, Mm -hmm. where the Enterprise visited the Black Black Planet. Planet. Tonight we're visiting the... The Lady Planet. Lady Planet. And you think one William Wreck would be excited about that? And you'd be dead right. (laughs) Yes, you would. Oh, man. And the outfit William gets to wear later in the episode. Are you talking about his chest hair or the outfit? Both. The chest hair is an outfit. We'll get there because there's much to discuss. All right. Here's the basics of the episode. The Enterprise came across a... Well, it's unclear because they kind of back up on this later. At the beginning of the episode, they say that they're checking up on a freighter. Seven years ago, there was a distress call for a freighter. Yeah, this freighter never arrived seven years ago. So they've gone to investigate seven years later. Later in the episode, they say that they came across the ship and that's what put them on the trail. But at the beginning of the episode, they say that they went to investigate the ship because it had been seven years overdue. They're going to a planet which the Federation hasn't had any contact with for 60 plus years? Yeah. It's called Angel One, if you didn't know earlier. Just like the title of this episode. Crazy. It's convenient. And they think that if there are any survivors, because there were some escape pods missing, this is where they'll be because it was the closest planet. And it would have taken these survivors five months in escape pods to reach this place. So they go, and they pay a visit. And because it's a planet run by the ladies, Picard astutely decides to let Deanna Troy handle the initial communications. Mm -hmm. That seems weird to me. I'm still very fuzzy on what kind of actual rank and position Deanna holds on the Enterprise. As far as I know, like, she's the ship's counselor. It doesn't seem like a position of authority to me, and the only reason she seems to be on the bridge is specifically because of her empathic abilities. If she was just a regular ship's counselor, would she be on the bridge? Who can say? I don't know. I have 
far less problem with this than you do. She's clearly a ranking officer on the ship, and she's a member of the bridge crew, so... But why? Yeah. Well, like, that's... Uh... I'm just curious about that. Like, I don't understand exactly where her authority is derived from here, because I, they never yeah. tell us, so it's unclear. To me, it looks like the only reason that she's on the bridge is because she happens to be semi-psychic. She that's pretty useful. So. Exactly. And that's my point. That's the reason why she's on the bridge. If she didn't have that, if she was just the ship's counselor, I don't think Picard would keep her on the bridge because what would her use be on the bridge? It's a good question. Anyways, they make contact, they go down to visit, and lo and behold, it's a planet run by the ladies, as we heard, but not just with the ladies in charge, but the ladies apparently are oppressively in charge. Yeah, the men don't have the vote, the women consider the men too simple to understand their library. Their library the them, library yeah. computer is far too sophisticated for a man to understand. As they describe, like, all the women are tall and powerful while the men are demure and yeah. small. They seem to have hired a bunch of jockeys. The casting is, right, is great. Yeah, The, the dudes are tiny. They really are. Our main man, Trent. He's a slight fella. He is. How do you describe the outfits that everybody wears? I'm well, thinking... they are very definitely of the 80s. A sort of Peter Pan mixed with figure skater. Yeah, and Trent does the Peter Pan pose quite a bit. There's a lot of ribbons wrapped around leggings for no discernible purpose. I think in ballet, sometimes they have those leggings down at the yeah. down at the calf yeah, level. But Trent's yeah. got them all the way up to the yeah. crotch, basically. Exactly. Like, it seems to be the purpose of the pants are a little bit billowy, but we want them to be form-fitting. So what we're going to do is we're going to wear those ribbon. billowy pants, and then we're going to wrap them up in a gift wrap ribbon. And there's kind of a bondage vibe happening with it. It's really weird. I hadn't thought about that. I guess basically Trent's junk is gift-wrapped. Yeah, yeah. And like on display, the way that it's wrapped, there's ribbon where the thigh meets the crotchal region mm-hmm. on either side to kind of pull that fabric in, thus creating kind of a faux cod piece out of his pants. In case um, you didn't know, this is a fashion analysis podcast. <laughs> we just happened to watch Star Trek. Luckily for you guys, Foley and I are very deep into fashion you and are fully qualified to give our opinions on these costumes. How did you feel about trans makeup? It felt kind of natural to me. It was really high gloss, I thought. Yeah. He appeared to be like just putting a strip right across from eye to eye, including his, the bridge of his nose. No, I didn't notice that at all. Every man on Angel One wears their shirt open to oh, the yeah. belly button. Their shirts are tucked into like a kind of cummerbund type of belt deal. One exposed shoulder, one exposed nipple. Yeah, exactly. One peck out for everybody mm-hmm. to see. Later on, Riker will don one of these oh, yeah. outfits as a diplomatic courtesy, is how he puts it. He cannot wait to get in that outfit. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. They really push the whole sexism angle right away. This isn't just a sexist society. This is an ultra-sexist society. As such, it is, as you would imagine, hard to watch because it's gross and awful. It clashes with my 21st century sensibilities. I just, I don't like it. I guess, yeah. It's unpleasant to watch people treated like that. It's just really ham-fisted. It's a first season episode through and through in that sense. It also includes a medical crisis on the Enterprise. Oh yeah, yeah. Which, we'll get back to fashion. Worf and Captain Picard are wandering through the halls when they come out of the turbo lift and are immediately hit in the face by a snowball. Yeah, because Wesley and his pal had just had their Starfleet-mandated skiing lesson, I guess. On the holodeck. I assume that their ski outfits were also Starfleet-mandated. And they throw a snowball, which somehow manages to travel off the holodeck and hit Picard. Picard is hit not only by a snowball, but he's also hit by the cold that Wesley just caught on the holodeck, apparently? What I'm gathering from later in the episode is that Wesley and his class had been on a field trip prior to that ski lesson. 
You think so? That was what I got from Dr. Crusher because that uh, ski lesson was definitely not a field trip. Mm. That was just a ski lesson. And there were only two students. There was just Wesley and his buddy. I think previous to that, the kids, like 13 or so of them, as I think Crusher said, had been on a uh, field trip and she had just quarantined all the members of Wesley's class who had been on the field trip. All right. So I think basically what happened was Wesley is a carrier... I don't know whether he infected the snowball or whatever, but the transfer of this virus is done by the olfactory nerves because it creates a sweet aroma that makes you kind of breathe it in. And this is first noticed by Picard when he gets hit by the snowball. He notices an odd smell, and Worf identifies it as something from home. It smells like the chronic, sir. Yes. Thus begin the troubles of the Enterprise. Yeah. Meanwhile, back on Angel 1, it is revealed to us that the survivors did in fact make it to Angel 1 one and that they're anarchists they're upsetting the balance of society and they want the federation to take these people away yes so Riker dresses up in his sex kitten uniform I guess yeah yeah so we get to see the Riker jungle. Yeah, uh, Jonathan Frakes is a fuzzy dude. He's a hairy man. Yeah, and the, our very first shot of him as he comes out in this image, it almost looks like they shaved the hair away from around his nipple. Like, this one small island of hairlessness where his nipple would be. I've, but I've, it goes away, like, immediately. Like, in the next scene, like, really? his, uh, his chest hair seems to have been combed over it. Maybe I combed it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe just handling. Hard to say. Did someone in wardrobe have to do that for him? Like, did was there himself? a chest hair wrangler? Do you think? Like, I don't know. Is that a thing that happens? I guess it must. Like, I guess the the hair and makeup people probably have to uh, do chest hair. Do chest hair. <laughs> you know, hair? you don't you don't think about it, but I guess they must. Today was a weird day on the Paramount lots. <laughs> we had to get out the heavy duty brushes to take care of uh, Freaks' chest mane. Damn. He's a fuzzy dude. And the ladies find his uh, outfit hilarious. Well, Troy and Yar do. Yeah. But uh, not so much... Mistress Viata, Leader of the planet. Leader of the planet. The elected one is all about Freaks in this outfit. He's a fine specimen. So she dismisses Trent. Yep. Because... Get out of here. Get out of here, Trent. Trent stuff. I gotta get me a handful of Frakes chest hair. <laughs> Holy smokes. So, while Riker and the elected one are fooling around, the away team goes and finds Ramsey, the leader of these uh, dissidents, who looks just like your hero, MacGyver. Welcome, away team. I've been expecting you. I detected your presence with my... My egg- tricorder that I made from a rubber band. And an egg car- and an egg A carton. piece of bamboo. A paper clip. He did. He fully expected their arrival. He does not explain how, but we later learn it's because... Uh, the vice president appears to be his, his wife. His lady. His wife. They've all taken wives, and they refuse to leave. And it brings up a question that we started debating pretty much immediately, which is, does the prime directive apply to these people or not? That's, again, another cliche of season one is Prime Directive hand-wringing. And yeah, yeah. Here's another and- Prime Directive episode. Yeah, there's a lot of... Um- 
a lot of ground that we've already covered in previous episodes is kind of rehashed in this episode, yeah. just kind of mixed together. And it- the difference in this episode being that these people crashed on this planet, so they're not indigenous and therefore not part of the society. And further, while not members of Starfleet, they would be almost certainly citizens of the Federation. Now, to see, that's where we disagree. You don't know that they're citizens of the Federation. It's true. We don't know that they're citizens of the Federation. But I guess my point earlier was, for a second, what if we assume that instead of them being human, quote unquote they're Romulans yeah to me like under that circumstance I would still imagine that Starfleet having a diplomatic relationship with Angel One and being requested to remove them would be bound to remove them it wouldn't be a uh, issue covered under the Prime Directive because the Prime Directive is about non-interference with their society and their society is already being interfered with by this outside alien presence but this quote unquote outside alien presence has married into their society and has started families like yeah. they have kids too it's not just so then it's up to Angel One to decide how they're going to deal with that Like right and that's what Yar and Data and Troy think should happen they think they're bound to not interfere and let Angel One decide it and of course mm-hmm. because this is a season one episode that means the Angel One government decides oh okay then we have to execute them all yeah there's nothing else for it we're just going to have to execute these people because men want the vote I think she literally says then you leave me no choice we have to kill them <laughs> out of nowhere there's no other option clearly. Those uppity menfolk wanting the vote, I mean, it's just gonna be anarchy after that. They'll want to use the library next. Well, yeah, they want to maintain status quo with their society and... As societies often do. Riker doesn't like it. Riker's like, we gotta beam these guys out of here. Damn the consequences. I would rather face a court-martial than leave these people to their deaths. That's what he says. It is what he says. Unfortunately, he's changed back into his uniform at this point. So sad. If only he could have stayed semi-shirtless for the rest of the episode. It would have been great. That would have been something. What if he just adopted that as his uniform from now on? I was like, you know what? Even I like this breezy feeling. I'm just going to leave my uh, my uniform unzipped to the belly button from now on. <laughs> there's really, I don't think there's any Starfleet regulation against him wearing that ear jewel all the time, too. Mm-hmm. That thing was it's sweet. Se- it was uh, reminiscent of Bajoran, or maybe Bajoran jewelry is reminiscent of that. Yeah, I think so. Because this is pre-Bajoran. It would suck, though, if you were trying to wear, like, headphones on top of yeah. it. Yeah. Even if you just earbuds, it probably, like, cause... It's all metal. Do you think, like, do you think headphones or earbuds even exist in the 24th century? Do they maybe have something even more... They just something way more discreet. I yeah, think. yeah, like, maybe it's just, like, an inner ear implant now. <laughs> well, although, it's funny that they do that you'd think they would have something more discreet, but earlier, when Troy, Data, and Yar are talking to the Enterprise via their communicator, you know, they touch it, yeah. and then Jordy, they're talking to Jordy, who gives tactical information out <laughs> over the over intercom. Over an open channel. Over an open channel, so that MacGyver can hear, what, hear exactly what they're saying. Is there no discreet way they could have done that? I think that was done purposefully, because they wanted to get MacGyver involved in the Romulan conflict? You think so? Maybe. MacGyver is amazing. He did not step up to the plate with a handy solution to any of the problems in this episode. Oh, it was disappointing. I guess if only it had really been Richard Dean Anderson and not bargain basement uh, Richard Dean Anderson. If only. That would have been amazing. Oh, oh, sidebar. Do you know that there's an episode of MacGyver, I don't know what season it's in, where MacGyver meets basically the female equivalent of himself? Female MacGyver? Yes! With a huge MacGyver-style mullet. Uh, and do you know who plays that person? I forget. Nana Visitor? No way! Yeah. Yeah, really? Major Kira. Major Kira from Major DS9. Kira from DS9. <laughs> 
It is awesome. And her That's mullet, amazing. Her mullet appears to be real, too. If, oh, yeah. It was incredible. I remember that there was that episode, but, yeah. man, oh, that's great. I got you the complete MacGyver for Christmas a number of years back. How do you think I know about this? You, did you watch it all? I, actually, I have to admit, I haven't watched it all. I haven't watched it. I watched well, that, a lot that, of it, that's though. That's a huge commitment. Like, that was a big box. I know. I treasure it. That, that was a fine Christmas gift. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, it, it screamed at me when I saw it. It's like, <laughs> it's like this is for Foley. Damn right it is. And I was like, you bet you are, buddy. You're coming with me. Thank you. You're yeah. welcome. So they track down Ramsey and his crew because of Platinum, because Platinum doesn't exist on Angel One. So they find traces of Platinum, Ramsey's wings, I guess. And in doing this, they have basically unwittingly led the authorities of Angel One to Ramsey and his followers because they followed the vice president lady and caught her sneaking off to warn her husband. And now they're all going to be put to death. To death. The Angel One killing machine is great. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's this vaporizer thing. And, like, they tested out by getting rid of a vase. Oh, it's incredible. And it's got the strangest activation method ever. Basically... Uh, it's a Dungeons & Dragons style orb. Yeah, like a crystal ball that Trent yep. is holding. And then he'll hold his hand, like, dramatically above it and bring it down. And when his hand cups the ball... Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> cups the ball. When Trent is cupping the ball, yes, that's when this disintegrator thing turns on and it vaporizes va- the vase. Yeah, and slowly too, like not quickly. Like it takes like a good three or four seconds for this vase to fully disintegrate, and then Mistress Beata is all like, "As you can see, we're not without mercy and compassion. Their deaths will be quick and painless." And I'm like, "Well cupped, Trent. That didn't look quick nor painless to me. That looked excruciating. It's terrifying. Not very." Yeah, yeah, comforting when she says that. No, no. Like, I've seen phasers disintegrate a person, and it happens way faster than that did. The effect and the design of the device really reminded me of 80s Doctor Who. Definitely. It was pretty goofy. Oh, Ramsey and his crew, they're, like, adamant that they're not going to leave. This is their home, and, you know, I don't care if they're going to put us to death. We're not leaving. It's like, really, guy? They're going to kill you, dude. Yeah, you've got families. You have children. They only ask Ramsey, too. They don't ask, how do the kids feel about this? Yeah, exactly. Seriously, you're going to die? to stay on a planet that you've only lived on for seven years that would be like someone saying listen if you don't move out of your apartment right now I'm gonna have you killed and your family I'd be like are you gonna kill me by cupping balls I'm not leaving my apartment this is my home no I would be out of here that's just you but that's not how MacGyver rolls I guess not. Like, I mean, I've lived in this apartment for seven years. I am reasonably attached to this place. I really like it. I don't like it that much. <laughs> it's hard to say, but Riker... We actually didn't touch on this already. Oh. Riker isn't having any of this. Riker wants to just beam everybody away. The Prime Directive be damned. Unfortunately, he can't, because the, the medical, medical crisis on the Enterprise has gotten so bad that most of the crew is incapacitated. Yeah. Everybody is dying, basically, and Crusher won't allow anyone back onto the ship, except data who will be immune so Riker sends data back we forgot to mention the third plot element which is that the Romulans are attacking a starbase or might be about to attack a starbase yeah the activity on the uh, neutral zone border with the Romulans has ramped up and the starbase out there wants the Enterprise to come swing by as basically a show of force you know like to scare off the Romulans like don't mess with us buddies we're not having none of that conveniently enough no other ship can get there quickly (laughs) well there's one ship already there but it's the USS Sissy Pants yeah. So, 
They need the Enterprise, apparently. Yeah. With instructions to get the Enterprise to the neutral zone before it's too late, Data returns to the Enterprise, and then Riker makes his... He delivers like a soliloquy in defense of the citizens, more or less boiling down to, if you kill them, they'll be martyrs. If you strike MacGyver down, he'll become more powerful than you can ever imagine. <laughs> it's so true. And Data hasn't actually left yet. As it turns out, he's taken Riker literally and decided that he has 40x minutes to let Crusher find a cure before he has to leave for the neutral zone because he's calculated how long that ship and that yep. starbase can hold out. The other reason Riker sent Data up to the ship is that I guess he thinks that Data will totally ignore Crusher's order to not beam anyone up to the ship if he's there. So I don't know because I think he sent Data up there specifically to leave. He did, but, when he, I guess, sorry, but I guess when he learns that he's still there, yeah. he's like, oh yeah, data by the way i want you to this ignore is what's happening yeah totally ignore the crusher but that's what he was going to do should his impassioned plea for mercy if it doesn't work we're just gonna beam these people out of here yeah despite the fact that we've been ordered to maintain excellent diplomatic relationship that's right with this planet and sorry Riker, but boning the president doesn't count oh did we mention that they boned oh yeah they, i guess we forgot they totally boned oh man it was, it was good. Despite Trent's best efforts to cock block. <laughs> Which um, were many. Yeah, there was more than one. It was a little obvious, Trent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty funny. Riker and Mr. Spiata totally get down to bidness. So once again, soon there will be a bunch of really tall ch- male children <laughs> running around. Presumably in 25 years, Riker's progeny will be running that planet. Yes. They'll be the crown princes. It'll be Ubermensch. Well, she's really tall. Yeah, yeah. They'll form the Angel One basketball team. Yeah, they'll be seven feet tall. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, well, anyway, the council decides to go for clemency. So they just never would have thought of. So instead of execution, they go for... Exile. Exile. You're going to make them go live someplace far away where life will be tough so they won't have time to stir up dissent because they will be too busy with the machinery of just living. Nice, nice. She had to come back with something because Riker's speech was all about... Maybe that you're not trying to stop or suppress a revolution. But evolution. Ooh, evolution. X-Men style. One time for your mind, president lady. Listen, I'll have Professor X beam down and explain this shit to you. Nice. It's good, right? Can we get Moon Knight involved, please? (laughs) I hope so. Moon Knight is rad. Strictly strictly first here. So anyways, the good doctor comes up with an inoculant for the the virus. Yeah, of course she does. And then in front of Mistress Beata and all the guards and everything, Riker says, Hey Data, belay my last order. There will now be only three to beam up. That order I gave you about how we're going (laughs) to trick them? Oh yeah, that I told you about in front of the guards as well? Yeah, that order about blatantly violating their laws and snatching these fugitives from their clutches? No longer needed. It's okay. But by the way, Data, once those guys get to their exile area, we're totally going to beam down, like, I don't know, a soft serve ice cream machine, like a couple (laughs) arcade cabinets. Phasers, you know. (laughs) Everything. A a, a Type 7 shuttlecraft, because that's our raddest one. A couple jacuzzis. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> anything we can make, anything we can do to make the machinery of life that machinery. run a little smoother. Oh yeah, we're gonna lubricate that machinery with some technology. Oh, yeah, and anyway. yeah. So that's our visit to Angel One, and Picard yeah. now takes the bridge and has a comical moment where he tries to say "engage," but his voice isn't back yet. He's so all he's like, hor- engage, and then he gives Riker the look. 
and Riker's just like engaged Data, yeah. and Data's like, wah, 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 wah. Yeah, yeah. So Angel One, um, more or less, is a, like you said, it's basically a bunch of other episodes kind of put together, slightly warmed over. It's your standard beat you over the head social allegory that, uh, especially season one <laughs> season of one. Next Gen, was particularly bad at. This episode's rough. I'll say this for storyline, I'm going to give this one. I had, acting ensign mm-hmm. for fashion and record related comedy I'm going to give it a lieutenant commander <laughs> so that's going to average out to an ensign okay it's averaging out to an ensign I was going to say because an acting ensign is actually one of our prettier I'm not giving it an ranks, acting ensign you know because no. I, I wouldn't give this an acting ensign that's too good Do we have, can we give it a rank of chest hair comb <laughs> I think for me I'm giving this episode yeah a chief chief yeah straight this that's right single pip unfilled I did not like this episode at all. No, it sucks. This, this episode, episode sucks. was rough and really... Oh, man. I also give it a chief, but that would violate my personal prime directive of agreeing with you on anything. <laughs> yeah, I'm not allowed to <laughs> agree with you. Yep, that's uh, that's our thing. Yeah, fuck you. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so, what minutia would you like to explore? We talked recently about medical stuff in mm-hmm. the Star Trek universe. Yeah, we t- a number of episodes back, we talked the in episode 8 I think we briefly discussed hyposprays yeah, and, and whether they hurt or not and there seemed to be a moment in this episode where it looked like it did like Riker got his inoculation in the neck and he grimaced when he got it he was like Arr. so yeah. maybe hyposprays aren't pain free maybe not oh that reminds me too speaking mm. of hyposprays and in the neck one of the more awesome and hilarious things that happened in the episode was um, the guest quarters where the uh, the crew goes on Angel 1 oh yeah there's it's sort the of a, a courtesy perfume bottle left around which uh, Data is fascinated by but then this is one of those strange things with Data's vocabulary again where Data doesn't know what uh, aphrodisiac means Yar says in some societies perfume is considered an aphrodisiac aphrodisiac what's that what's that Later in the episode, there's a different turn of phrase that Data is just bingo, that Data is fully familiar with. It's like, but not the context. That an, isn't that an ancient Earth game? So I, I, here's my theory with Data. I think in his quest to be more human, humans don't have immediate outside access to information they don't possess, right? Like mm-hmm. if you don't know the meaning of a word, you have to consult an outside source. Yeah. So Data, I guess, has an active knowledge base in yeah. his and mind, then, per se, but then also has a bunch of data stores that he can access as if it were secondary information, the way we would look in a book or consult the mm-hmm. internet or whatever. So maybe the idea is, in the spirit of being more human, he won't automatically access He'll that secondary data store. Yeah, because maybe and the act of being puzzled psych- about it Maybe is, that serves a psychological purpose, too, because yeah. there's nothing people like to do more than seem smart and explain things to other people. Or disagree with them. Mm-hmm. Once again, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's totally what going on maybe that's a good thought Thanks. great headcanon accepted yes perfect awesome we now have an ironclad reason why data pretends to be stupid because it is pretending to be stupid right mm-hmm. why are they telling like data stop willfully being dumb it's mm-hmm. insulting to all of us it really is but at the same time i guess he also willfully pretends not to be strong right yeah, like yeah. if he shakes someone's hand he could just crush their hand yeah. but you know that wouldn't be very uh that wouldn't be conducive to yeah. life aboard the ship yeah as an aside like data's super strong like and probably made of pretty sturdy stuff couldn't he just be wanted like just troll everyone and just walk through doors 
Well, the door's open automatically, though. But instead of walking through the terminal, like the entrance, just go next to it. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just smash through the, through the wall. Like, I keep uh, doing no, that, No, I think right? those walls are made out of really strong stuff, right? Like, Stronger um, than data? Maybe. I think Maybe, so. Like, yeah. I think they're like tritanium compound. Isn't What's data made of? Like, I don't know. I don't know. He's got skin, man. Like, he can be cut. Is he, I just assumed he was a one giant diamond. <laughs> no, probably not. Probably not. But, uh, yeah. All right. So, so. Data's willfully ignorant. With a good reason, kind yeah, of. Yeah, it, it, it serves a psychological purpose for his interactions with humans. Sure. So, cool. That's, uh, that explains that one. Down with that. And don't ever question it. Nope. <laughs> Case closed. Yep. Case closed. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought that was a figure of speech. <laughs> oh, back to the perfume for a second. Yes, yes. Perfume. Carry uh, on. Trent comes in after they walk out of the room. And he's like, ooh, perfume. He puts them on his he, face. Closes wear his a lot eyes. Of perfume and I don't think you spray it in the middle of your face. Like yeah. He basically perfumed his nose. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you don't perfume your face. I don't know, though. I don't know. Like, I wouldn't want to get perfume in my eyes. Like, I mean, granted, he closes his eyes, but I don't think that's how you do it. It was interesting. I guess the stereotypes they played up with the men were that they were very effete. Yeah, and it seemed, I don't know, it almost seemed like their commentary on uh, gender normative female behavior as considered by 1980s society. Yeah. Because this I episode came out in, 19, in like, 87. 88, 88, I think. Was it 80? Oh, 87, 88, I don't know. Uh, the MCML, XIX, blah, blah, blah shit at the end of... Uh, I thought it was V111, but it might oh. have been V11. Sorry. I thought it was V11, but I... I don't know. Anyways. Doesn't matter. Does not. So, yeah. The fact is, this is very clearly an 80s view of things. So, it was a... uh, The 80s were a strange time for... uh, I would have liked... For sex relations. I I thought it would have been funnier if Trent sprays his face, but then follows up by, like, spraying his nipple and then his junk. (laughs) Just one nipple, though. Yeah, just the exposed Just the exposed nipple. Obviously. Nobody wants to deal with his covered peck. No, ooh, his outfit would get all damp. Yeah. Whatever that thing's made of, (laughs) Weird material. Like, like rayon or something. The ladies on the planet also, we should mention their outfits. They're basically wearing rough wool macrame kind of vests. Yeah. Armless vests. Armless yeah, vests, vests, yeah. yeah like, it's a weird look. And they're all very tall. Like, they're all pretty much as tall as Riker. And Riker, well, yeah. Jonathan Frakes is a tall dude. Yeah, they got some... So I guess, like, they, they, the casting call... Tall women required for Star Trek The Next Generation. We need big dames. Yeah. And jockeys. Yeah, the casting <laughs> calls for Star Trek must have been great. Honestly, it, uh, this episode, I'm pretty sure, must have been at least part of the inspiration for Amazon Women in the Mood. Oh, yeah. From of Futurama. Of course. Pretty sure. So this was just goofy and not very good. But the goofiness kind of redeems it, I suppose. Little bit, little bit. It is one, as happens a lot with uh, especially season one and two of Next Gen or the original series, you appreciate what they were trying to do. You understand what they were going for and you appreciate the attempted message, but looking at it through the lens of today, mm-hmm. it's really kind of... It's one of those things I can't go back and watch it Yeah, exactly. in the 80s. Can't watch it fresh again. Don't know how it came across in 87. Well, I kind of do. Probably but really can't be even then. Yeah, exactly. Because like in, like in 87 or 88, I was like 8 or 9. I really didn't have any concept oh, no, no, no. of, of the battle of the sexes back then or sexism at all. 
So I met an adult watching that. Yeah, and I have no idea how an adult watching it back then would have perceived it. Watching it today with the stuff I know now about all of these things, it's kind of painful to watch. Can I also actually the thing that bugged me the most about this episode is this is just another of many many examples where they could have just freaking separated the ship in two to deal with the two problems that were happening Mm -hmm. at the same time. That's what it's for. It does seem to be that way. Although I get the impression that the so many of the crew were down that if they separated the ship there just would not be enough crew to run either section I don't know but Riker had the right idea you send Data up there you get him in the drive section you separate mm-hmm. the ship you leave the saucer with the entirety of the crew except for Data around the planet and you mm-hmm. send Data to deal with the Romulans and yeah. then come back and pick them up hopefully I, they're still alive when he gets back I guess that assumes that a single person can run the drive section it can totally be done I don't think so I think you would still need your engineering staff as well but what are they they're not shoveling coal down there on the short term yeah but what if do I think Data could go there and just you know make a show like arrive and like here I am absolutely I don't think Data could take the ship into combat though like when we see the Enterprise in combat there is a constant stream of information coming back and forth between the bridge and engineering I think of any members of Starfleet Data is best qualified to take the ship into combat single handed Well, no, he's got the computer to help him right yeah I'm just saying that like there would be no one down in engineering to handle all of the things that would come up you know they take a phaser blast circuits are going to overload shit's going to happen there will be no one in engineering to be doing the stuff that has to happen in engineering to keep them battle ready it's not ideal for sure but I mean and hopefully he could have taken other people with him but Mm -hmm. yeah I'm just saying they could have at least no I'm I'm with you I understand where you're getting at Um, I think in this particular case there's an argument to be made for they couldn't do the separation because there just wouldn't be enough people to crew it but under regular circumstances this comes up all the time where it would just make sense for them to separate the ship and send one part of the ship one place and the other part the other this is probably one of my biggest pet peeves with just movies and TV and everything in general is a lot of these things these what ifs can easily be addressed and dismissed with like a single line to explain it away if you just ignore it then you're left hanging and it bugs you yeah or if you're an insane person like me (laughs) I feel like the saucer separation capability of the Enterprise was ridiculously underused on the series totally and I think part of that comes from the fact that it was overused in the first season maybe yeah. you know they separated the ship you know several times in the first season I think they just didn't want to reuse that stupid separation animation too many times yeah yeah which I get but like maybe you don't have to show it separating every time it's hard to say but it was certainly a capability of the Enterprise which would have been useful in numerous scenarios that they never got around to using which seems silly even for things as mundane as pulling search patterns in a system think about it you know when they're doing these sweeps they're always going at impulse speed because if they go at war they're going to miss shit with their scanners. So since the saucer section is capable of traveling at impulse, just like the drive section, why not separate the two halves and get that uh, search done twice as fast? Oh, oh, don't even start about that. Because you know what else the ship has? Probes. Probes. <laughs> let's not let's launch a probe. No, I got an idea. Why don't you launch, launch 55, 55 probes and do it fast, <laughs> you dicks? Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. There, there are a lot of uh, things that are overlooked. The ship also has shuttlecraft that they could use in yeah, yeah. certain circumstances. And the shuttlecraft even have warp capabilities, but there ought to be shuttlecraft that are 
like specifically decked out with sensor suites, like how the uh, maybe the, there are like the Air Force has those like cat's eye. Oh, with that the cool like radar thing. Yeah, yeah, top. that giant radar yeah. dish that sits on top of those planes. You know, and totally those reconnaissance planes. The yeah. the Federation Starfleet should have their equivalent of that in shuttlecraft form, so that they can just deploy. You know, like you got to figure they have stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, you'd I think, think so. I mean, obviously it comes down to budget. You know, they didn't do that stuff because I they know. only had you know X amount of dollars for their no, special but, effects budget. See, here's the thing, though. Here's the magic of writing. You just put that line in. You don't have to show it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm still also thoroughly disappointed that we never saw the captain's yacht broken out <laughs> once in Next Gen, which was the hardest moment for me to watch in Generations when the saucer section crashed on that planet. Yeah. Belly first, and I was like, that's it. The yacht. We'll never see the, the yacht happen ever now. It's gone. I was crushed they didn't use the yacht in the movie just because they hadn't done it in the whole series and now they had a budget. I know, and when we finally got to see the Captain's yacht in the Enterprise E, disappointing. More like the Captain's not. Oh, great. Yeah, that's right. You haven't seen the Captain's yacht from the Enterprise E. I don't actually know what you're talking about. Because it happens in Insurrection. Yeah, what? Which you haven't seen. Yeah, you know why? Because Insurrection sucks. I know Insurrection sucks, but I know it sucks because I've watched it. You only know it sucks because you've heard other people tell you. So Who knows? Maybe if you watched the whole thing, you would love it because you have to disagree with me. Here, just here's a thought experiment for you. Okay. So if I got a piece of dog shit <laughs> and I put it between two slices of Wonder Bread and I offer this for you to eat, you'd say no. That's disgusting. Yes. You know what? I know other people that have considered tasting that, and they're like, no, they know it's gross. But what if I said, you can't appreciate how gross it is until you eat this entire dog shit sandwich? No, I I understand. See where I'm going with that? I do see where you're going with that. I was just suggesting that since you constantly have to disagree with my opinions on everything, that perhaps this would be a case where you would feel compelled to enjoy... The show. Insurrection is a triumph. (laughs) Specifically because I think it's so bad. (sighs) All right, we'll see. We'll see. I think you're just trying to trick me into watching it. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to make you watch it. Like, don't think that we're not going to watch it. We are. We're going to do, like, four special episodes where we... Four? Yeah. Well, not just for Insurrection. We're going to sit down and we're going to watch each of the next-gen films. You want to do the movies? Yeah, yeah. I guess we have to, eh? Yeah, yeah. I think... I don't know. Do you want to do... Like, I was thinking that we would do them, like, throughout the seasons... Yeah, sprinkle you know, them in. Like exactly, a, exactly. Yeah. Like, hey, special episode, here's Generations, here's First Contact. Because I don't want to wait four God, years no, no, until no, we're no, done no. all seven seasons, assuming we even get that far. Oh, we'll get that far. Oh, we'll get that far. <laughs> we'll be in our... Fuck, we're going to be, like, pushing talk 40, about man. Don't know what you're talking about. Uh, we'll still be in our 30s, just... Depends on the barely. rate at which we do these. Yeah, yeah. Well, if we continue to do it one episode a week, that's two seasons a year. Oh, shit. Two, four, six. So that's uh, three and a half years. I'm 35. Stop Stop mathing. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So we'll almost be 40. Oh. Who knows? That's depressing. It is. Almost as depressing as the thought of having to watch Insurrection. Almost. And then podcast about it. Oh. This was the last episode on disc three of the Star Trek The Next Generation Season 1 Blu-ray set. We are moving on to Disc 4 next week, and I don't remember what the episode is, because I never check! 
Oh, let's not bother. Yeah, let's yeah. not bother. We'll leave you in suspense once again. This the, is a thrilling cliffhanger. Woo! The Enterprise visits a planet yes. dominated by dogs. Oh, no. And then we're going to see dog culture turned on its head. Oh, hope you're ready Ooh. for that. PETA approved. Yes. All right. So stay on the edge of your seats, my friends, and join us next time here aboard the Diecast Enterprise. This is Pags. I'm Foley. Thanks for joining us. Oh, I didn't... Oh! I forgot. Oh, oh, oh yes. Special bonus. <laughs> Some real talk for you guys. Real talk? A little anecdote I was telling you about earlier. You might have to spice this in somewhere else. No. I didn't start a new job, but I started working with new people today, and they're like, you know, I just got moved into my new office, and they're like, you know, the boss is in there, and then like my new coworker, I have a roommate, essentially, now. Yeah. Sharing an office. And they're like, oh, yeah, a bunch of us are going out for beers tonight. Uh, you know, a little end of uh, end of the semester thing. Uh, Fully pretty, works pretty at the local university. I work at the university. And they're like, yeah, you should come out and, uh, you know, you know, socialize it up, <laughs> rub some elbows with the other people in the group, get to know everybody outside of work. And I'm like, oh, geez, I... Uh, I'd love to, but I can't because I have to do my Star Trek podcast. Is what you should have said. But I didn't because I was too chicken and embarrassed. <laughs> so that's what you would have done? You would have said Yeah, I, I, I totally. I, I have done that. Like, I, I got, people have been like, hey, are you free time? Like, no, I can't. Doing my Star Trek podcast tonight. Got to watch Angel I One. I am all over that shit. Like I am not embarrassed by that. I am proud of that. I was I'm too like, embarrassed. That's funny. Which is a you sissy know, move. These are computer science people, right? Like, yeah, were you afraid that the computer science faculty were going to think you were too nerdy? Uh, they probably have watched Star Trek. <laughs> these people know how to code, right? Uh, I suppose. So. <laughs> I don't think th- th- it's possible. They've seen a tr- an episode of Trek or two in their possibly. time. Possibly. Yeah, possibly. But even if they didn't, like, I mean, you're talking, like, amongst the nerdiest faculties I guess that so. you could yeah. possibly be in, and you were afraid to tell them. I just didn't want to... Meanwhile, I'd... you were in Hawaii last week, and you waded into the ocean wearing your Starfleet uniform. I did. And took a fantastic photo, which I will you will have seen posted on the Tumblr huh. before you even get to this episode, because I'm posting it, like, as soon as we're done. <laughs> Fair enough. Look, but I, yeah. I just, I, I just, <laughs> they don't know me, okay? Uh, like, I don't, want, I don't want them to think I'm a weirdo. They, like, you want them to think you're a cool guy? Maybe. I don't Aww, know. You, you just, uh, like, you, you've still got an opportunity to trick these people into yeah. thinking you're a cool guy and those not fools. who you actually are. Aww, <laughs> those fools. <laughs> I'll deceive them. Don't worry, he'll always be my cool guy. Aw, shucks. <laughs> you're welcome. All right, we're yeah. going this time for Bye. really reals. Bye. <laughs>